0: welcome to the room, everybody the og3 is here brad emily and myself we are recording a couple days before thanksgiving i am hosting a bunch of people at my house not sure if i'm looking forward to it or not what are you up to emily for thanksgiving
1: Uh, Well, you know, like I do anything, I celebrate big. So it's a multi-day affair. So I'll be with my dad's side, the family on Thursday. And then I also have Thanksgiving festivities on Friday and Saturday as well. And I will be making a turkey.
0: And you're making the turkey. That's a lot of responsibility.
2: I'm up for the challenge.
0: Well, we'll have to update everybody on how it goes.
2: Bradley, what are you going to do? nice that you guys are partying and having turkey and everything like that uh i'll be feeding calves i'll be feeding my research calves all week Uh, all my undergrads are going home everybody's ditching me so the boss has to take control and do the work so feeding calves
0: Oh well, everybody can think about Bradley when it's twenty degrees on on <laughs> yes. Thursday and
1: play jumping. a little violin solo for you. You don't
2: have to feel sorry for me. I'm actually kind of looking uh, forward to it. It's been a while since, you know, I've had the opportunity to just feed calves alone and farm in solitude. Everything. That's yeah. right. That's right. I, so there's there is nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with
0: that. Since I became a dad, I um, uh, have a whole new appreciation of just silence. <laughs> Like it's, it's a wonderful thing sometimes. And uh, yeah, I might be looking forward to that too. All right, let's, uh, let's quit screwing around and get into the topic today. Emily, as promised, is the star of the show today. The Emily show also known as the Moose Room. And today we are talking about milking procedure. There's been a couple articles popping up in popular press about timing the milking procedure and how important it is. So we figured we better review it and there's no one better to do that than Emily here
1: too kind joe
0: so (laughs) as as we move into this the timing is important i mean i used to do this in practice i'd sit there with the stopwatch and record things and uh it 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 can vary quite a bit from dairy to dairy so emily kind of tell me why this is so important to get these things right
1: yes well and and i want to say i've spent a lot of time in parlors with stopwatches too and there is probably Nothing that milkers hate more than that. Somebody in their way with a stopwatch. Um, but yeah, so, you know, the, the milking procedure and, and timing it out right is something that I've always had a lot of interest in. And I'm sure I'll do it more than once this episode, but have to shout out Dr. Jeff Renault, uh, really a, a big player in, in mastitis management and somatic cell count reduction and all of that, and practices in the parlor as well. So the reason that timing the milking just right in the parlor, I mean, there's a lot of things. The biggest goal is that, well, two big goals. As Jeff Renaud would say, you want to milk clean, dry, well-stimulated teats, and that's something that's going to take a little bit of time. Um, and then also, you want to be maximizing your milk production. And so that really ties into the first one, too, with just making sure that cows are properly prepped for optimal letdown. And you know that they're clean. That's really what we're looking for here.
0: The big thing is that if we if we do one of these pieces wrong, the whole thing falls apart. It, it's a chain. It's a domino effect. And especially good stimulation becomes important for uh, making sure that that we're not milking an udder that doesn't have milk there to milk yet. That could cause some teeth damage. That can cause all sorts of different things that we we don't want, and can lead to mastitis. So.
1: I can guarantee all three of us have heard this and that is, you know, farmers will go, Oh, well, as soon as I turn the milk pump on, they're just dripping milk. So we, you know, we don't do a lot of stimulation like they know when the milk pump turns on. All right. Um, I think that that helps, you know, that's auditory stimulation that can also help with milk letdown. Turning on your milk pump is not a replacement for stripping teats and massaging the udder. It's not a replacement for it. So if that's your milk letdown plan, uh, you know, we we need to think about adding a little more meat to that um, just to make it effective and, and safer for the cow, too, because if they have a machine on them and they're not letting anything down, then we get into damaged teeth ends, damaged teats themselves, um, a whole host of
0: problems. That's the essence of it, is it, it causes a lot of problems and it's going to actually make for more time later that you spend treating cows and messing around with cows that have problems than if you just try to do these things right from the get-go. All right, let's get into the actual procedure. So what do we do first?
1: Well now as as far as procedure, I think every farm does it a little differently. And I'm not here to promote one way or another. My big thing is that you're just getting all the times of these different things in. So um, you know, I've I've milked cows for my brother, so I'm I'm just gonna use what we do uh, when we're milking there as an example. Again, this is not the right or wrong way to do it. This is just the one that's freshest in my mind and the one I have the muscle memory for. Um, and so that is once cows get in the parlor, then they get an initial wipe down with a rag, and then they get uh, teat dip, and then they'll get stripped. And then they get one more wipe with a new clean rag. We use cloth rags and then milking machine gets attached. So we do wipe, dip, strip, wipe, attach.
0: I mean, it can it can vary from farm to farm and, and whatever you do, as long as you end up, like Emily said, with a clean, dry, well-stimulated teat to milk, it mm-hmm. doesn't really matter too much but the order can affect the timing of everything. So you just kind of have to work that out for your parlor, your setup, however you're doing it.
1: Yeah. And, and I like to kind of go through the times of these different tasks from, from shortest to longest. And then, yeah, you can see how they can plug into each other. Um, You know, you can definitely find what works best for you. And I know, especially in parlor situations uh, to help get the timing right and space it out, they might be prepping four cows and then they go and attach. Um, You know, so just finding out what's going to work in your parlor or if you're milking in tie stalls too, um, how does that look to make sure that you're still getting that right um, prep leg time? And prep leg time is really, that's the full amount of time from initial stimulation or contact with the udder, with the teats uh, to when the milking machine is attached. But before we talk about how long that is, I'm going to start with stimulation. And I'm actually going to do this. As, as a quiz for Bradley. Bradley, no cheating. So, stimulation time. When we're talking about the, the teat skin surface getting stimulated, um, you know, from wiping, cleaning, stripping, what have you, how many seconds do you think we need for optimal letdown? 10. All right, yeah. So, so 10 to 20 seconds.
2: And I'm not, and I'm not looking either. I'm-
1: <laughs> yeah. I I can't confirm that, but it seemed like you were really thinking on it. So yes, 10 to 20 seconds. And again, that is how long you want to be stimulating the teat skin surface. And so, yes, things, things like wiping are included in that stripping is included in that. Um, but again, really making sure that you are, you know, Getting in there and and really helping to to stimulate that oxytocin for milk
2: letdown. It was a pretty educated guest. I don't know how I got that. <laughs> so here we go. Brad's got okay. sensors. Brad's got sensors.. Oh, the, and I, we some milking parlors have auto stimulation. So I have the auto stimulator set for ten seconds. So our milkers stimulate the teats automatically for ten seconds beforehand. So
1: mm-hmm. we're,
2: we're we're still trying to do a, a manual stimulation but then I also have a auto stimulator so to provide some extra stimulation maybe if changes in milkers or different things like that uh, you you can at least get some consistent stimulation with the with the milking machine uh, when it's on auto stimulate. Fun fact. Oh,
1: very interesting. Thanks for sharing that Bradley. Although I I will say I'm really a fan of of for stripping each teat, because that also gives you the opportunity to visually examine the milk for, you know, any sign of mastitis, clumps, watery, bloody, anything like that. But yeah, and I think, like you said, Bradley, kind of adding in that machine stimulation just for a little extra, the recommended time is 10 to 20 seconds. But if your process is 25 or 30 seconds, I think that that's fine too. You don't need to be simulating teats for a minute, but 10 to 20 seconds, give or take a little um, on, on the back end, I think is fine.
2: I think if if you're not sure, you could always go a little bit longer because we always tend to maybe understimulate as well. And that probably causes more problems.
1: Certainly does. So now the teeth are stimulated. So Bradley, your next question. How long does teeth dip need to be on the teeth?
2: 20 seconds. Is that your final answer? That is my answer. It may not be right, but it's wrong. <laughs> <Darn>.
1: <laughs> you were close. Um, so it's 30 seconds.
2: 30 seconds. So
1: 30 seconds contact time. So that is getting the tea dip on there and allowing it enough time to clean bacteria off of that teeth skin surface. You know, I like to remind people too that before you dip, make sure that there's no visible, you know, debris or residue, you know, they get the little manure chunks or little hunks of dirt, or there's some shavings or straw or something in there, get all that brushed away um, just to make sure that the teat dip is in fact coming into full contact with the the full teat skin surface there. You don't want to do it too quickly. It can be easy to to miss a teat having complete coverage. I know my, my brother gets a little angry with me when I milk for him because I I go through a lot of teat dip because I, that entire teat is going to be covered. And then also, you know, in post-dip or we use iodine, like I go through a lot, but I know that those cows are clean. Um, so yeah, we, we want to leave that on for 30 seconds. 20 seconds is a little short. And this is another one too, where if, if it goes a little over or you are timing it out and you're like, oh, it's actually 35 seconds, 40 seconds. That's Okay. You know, because it's it's cleaning, so leaving it on there a little bit longer, you know, ten more seconds is not going to be any sort of a detriment.
0: One of the things that I see when I'm being super annoying and bothering the milkers at the parlor is that uh, we miss the the teat end quite a bit when we're wiping that teat tip off. And what I what I see is that if you okay, don't...
1: the end, the end, like the tip or the end where it attaches to the udder.
0: No, the end, like the tip. the tip of the teeth, And if you don't, and because it has that sphincter there, there's lots of folds and little crevices at the end. And that's where a lot of dirt and everything else can sit and get missed when you wipe. So one of the things that I really harp on is getting a kind of a pinching motion on the, on the very tip of that Mm -hmm. teeth to catch that. Um, And you can, you can see that in the parlor. If people aren't doing that and really paying attention to it, you can go by with a a piece of gauze and just kind of wipe the end of that teat and catch a lot of grit and nastiness that's left behind. So just one of my soapbox things when I'm being annoying in a parlor. That's
1: a great point, Joe. And yeah, those little quick swab tests. um, Yeah. Just using a, a piece of gauze or paper towel, whatever you have on hand is a great way to check. And you can also use that for checking teat dip coverage too. have somebody dip a teat. And then if you take a paper towel, wrap it around the teat, hold it there for a second, take it off. It should be one full singular blot of teat dip. And if it's not, then the coverage isn't good. The the contact time with teat dip is very, very important. And you need to make sure that you are setting everything up for effective contact
0: time. You've you've basically prepped the teat. you're gonna wipe it again, but then you've got a little bit of time, it seems like, because if you have a contact time on there for 30 seconds and you're not wanting to put that milker on until at the bare minimum 60 seconds from your initial touching you've got you got some time to kill it seems like so is that just prepping other cows as we move along
1: yes most often like I said earlier on you know I go to it seems like in most parlors the standard is four but it also depends on the size of the parlor you know how many you have um, on each side but yeah so if you're doing that for about four cows then by the time you get back to the first one so you're going to go through and wipe them all And then you're going to go through and dip them all. And then you're going through and stripping them all. And then you're going through and giving them another wipe, you know? So yeah, by the time you get back to cow one to attach the milking machine, yeah, the goal for for prep leg time, so the total time this takes is is one minute to two minutes. I like to see things a little closer on the one minute side, um, just for parlor efficiency too we want to get you know we all have our goals we want externs per hour out of this parlor um and so that's something that contributes to it but you may also find you know there are certain cows that need just a little more time to let down their milk or or you know you you can figure out um how you want to have that timed out but yeah absolutely so you don't want to get the machine on too soon so that that's why we recommend prepping multiple cows at once because you know as you're finishing up with your your last cow your first cow is ready and, and has been standing there for about a minute or two
0: yeah i'd love to be close to one minute if we can get parlor efficiency where it needs to be and just get cows through the problem is that you got to focus on that that stimulation phase because if you don't do that well enough and then cows don't have milk there for the milker to milk then you actually are causing more time to be wasted because now your milker's doing the stimulation, you gotta wait for that time, and then you end up basically with what's called bimodal letdown or bimodal bilking, which is what's been covered in the, the popular press lately and why we're kind of doing this episode. And that, that's an issue because there is some milk there, but not very much. Most of that milk is still up in the udder, in the glandular part of the udder. And if you don't stimulate enough, then that cow doesn't drop that milk all right away and you end up with a bunch of milk coming right away that was just kind of there in the in the base uh, or in the bottom of the udder. And then you have a big lag time where you don't see much milk because your milker is out actually doing the stimulation, waiting for the rest of the oxytocin to release and let everything down. And, and that's a bad deal. All sorts of complications from that, damaging to the teat end, milk still left in the udder, which is a big one. And that, that's where we talk about how Emily was talking about productivity that's lost and then also increases the mastitis and infections.
1: Yes. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up, Joe. And, and I think too, whenever somebody says efficiency, a lot of people associate that with speed. And that's not the case. Um, efficiency is about doing things right and, you know, in a smooth pattern that you can just repeat over and over. You know, to me, that's efficiency. So even if it's something that's taking two hours, if you're doing it in a way that the process is always moving forward, then it's efficient. So that's that's how I view this. So when we talk about efficient milking or efficient parlors, it's not necessarily the parlor that preps cows the fastest or that has the most turns per hour. Those, those may be good benchmarks for, for checking on how your parlor is managed, but we really want to make sure that you know yes we we are giving cows 1 to 2 minutes to to really fully get that milk down to make sure that that teat skin surface is completely clean that's going to make the most efficient parlor and yes in it it will help make things go faster too especially if you're not waiting for cows due to the bimodal letdown
0: and just to put a number on it so people can have an idea of what we're talking about production wise Basically, what we're looking at is for every minute that that milker's on an uh, udder that's not been properly stimulated, we're talking about seven pounds of milk per day. And that that's a lot of milk. And you don't want to be be losing out on that from a production standpoint. And then, like we talked about, all the other complications that can happen because of that.
1: I would be remiss if if I didn't say that, you know, a lot of this comes down to training you know, especially if you are milking in a parlor, it's quite likely you have employees doing that. And I know that we, we can't control what other people do. Uh, but you know, I would just really stress the point that, you know, you, you need to be training the same procedure for everybody, you know, finding a way to, to make sure that that is just, this is how we do it here. And, and we don't take shortcuts and we don't do it any other way, you know, having the milking procedure written out clearly and posted up on the parlor wall, or I've seen some really great ones um, where it's just pictures. It's not even words. So especially um, if you have employees that, that are, you know, English isn't their first language or, you know, they speak some other language other than English um, you know, they can just have that visual reminder, like, okay, yeah, first I wipe. And then second I'm, you know, going to do this. And then, I do that just with simple icons or pictures um, can be a really useful way to, to try to keep everybody on the same page with that because that's definitely something that I've heard a lot out in the field of like, well, yeah, well, we just have a few milkers that that aren't doing it this way. And that may be, you know, habits they brought in from, from past jobs at other farms um, or they think they, they have a better way or a better idea. Um, so just make sure that if you do have you know, employed milkers that you're, you know, checking in with them regularly, making sure they're following the procedure. And if your employees have ideas too, for how to change the milking procedure, as long as you're within that one to two minute prep leg time, and you're getting enough contact time and stimulation time and all of that, uh, hear out their ideas too.
0: A lot of this is coming down to employee buy-in. And if you can get them to buy into it, I find that explaining the why behind a lot of these things, and that if we do this correctly, especially spending the time up front stimulating that tea correctly, will save them time in the long run. That is a big motivator as well. Parlor size is a huge piece of this. A lot of dairies have outgrown their parlor and they have to be fast in the parlor. And I, like Emily said, I don't like frantic parlors. I think that is like the recipe for disaster when it comes to a milk prep. We, we want nice, smooth, calm, uh, efficient parlors, but frantic parlors where people are just running to try to keep up, that that's a recipe for disaster. So, and, and when we talk about that much milk on the table, seven pounds of milk for every minute that we're milking a teeth that's not properly stimulated, a, a parlor can, and, and additions or improvements to a parlor can pay for themselves very quickly. Um, it also improves your employee retention because I don't know a whole lot of people that can milk in a frantic, fast paced way for eight to 12 hours every day over and over and over again, you just burn through people pretty quickly. So kind of keep that in mind. There's a lot of benefits to having your parlor the correct size for your dairy.
1: You just gave me a really great visual there, Joe. And and I think my next article I'm going to title it is your parlor more like a three ring circus. (laughs) So I, I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, I think we've all seen that like I said, there's there's multiple effects. Employee retention with the labor issues in the industry is a big piece of it. It, it it's a it's a hard job. It's a tough job to do every day, and uh, the more comfortable and easy that job can be, the better you're going to have uh, better time. You're going to have keeping employees around.
1: Yeah, you don't want to create that really high stress situation for employees and high stress situation for your cows too.
0: We haven't covered what happens after the milker comes off. Uh, so we, if we do everything right on the front end, we still gotta do everything right on the, on the backside. So what do I do when the milker comes off?
1: Milker is gonna come off, uh, and then hopefully uh, in, in your parlor or, or barn, you're using a post-dip, um, iodine is a really common one. And that's just like with your, your pre-dip, when you're prepping cows, You have got to make sure you're getting really good coverage. And and that's one too that you aren't going to wipe off. You're going to leave it on there. And so making sure they have good coverage. And the most important thing too is you want to keep your cows standing for at least 30 minutes. As Joe already mentioned, what we're doing when we're working on milk letdown and that oxytocin release is the teat has a sphincter at the end. So we're wanting that sphincter to relax so that the milk can, can flow out uh, more easily. And so once that sphincter is relaxed, it stays relaxed for a while. So 30 minutes um, it takes for the sphincter to, to reclose after milking. That's why we want to make sure that we're keeping those cows standing because they're laying down, those sphincters are open. It's just an invitation to bacteria. And, and in addition to that too, you know, like I said, we, we leave the post-dip on the teats And that needs a little time um, to dry too, because of course, especially if you use something like shavings for bedding, if they're laying down in that with wet teats, then they're going to have teats covered in shavings. Um, And then that's going to be a big mess you have to deal with next time they come in for milking. We really focus on, you know, having water available to your cows right away so they can stand up and drink for a while, lining feeding time, or at the very least pushing feet up after cows get milked just to encourage them to eat and and that keeps them standing for that 30 minutes. That's a really important thing to do.
0: And soapbox time for Joe again. I know you guys are so excited. The return alley is one of my big things that I look at when I'm talking about parlor management because that sphincter is open when they come out of the parlor. If they're splashing through everything and, and there's manure getting splashed up into the front legs, you know it's getting splashed back onto the utter as well. I think that that you have to be paying attention to that you don't want standing water or manure in that return alley it needs to be very clean so that we can we can protect that teat while it's still open that's all
1: <laughs> yeah no that's yes joe you are very very right and and one little uh you know number i have here for you that you know they estimate that up to 50% of new contagious mastitis infections could be prevented by just a really good clean post milking procedure. So, getting those teats completely dipped, letting that dip stay on there for 30 minutes, keeping them standing for 30 minutes, all of those things can make a huge impact in preventing new infections, especially.
0: That's plenty to think about. There's a lot, lot going on there. Lots to ruminate on. Lots to ruminate on. Ha-ha. Ha ha. There uh, is an article that matches some of the things that we're talking about today, and I will make sure that's in the show notes. With that, we'll wrap it up. Emily's got our plugs.
1: If you have questions, comments, or scathing rebuttals to today's episode, you can send us an email at the mooseroom at umn.edu.
0: That's T H E M O O S R O O M at umn.edu.
1: For more information about milking procedure and all sorts of dairy and beef management, you can visit our website, extension.umn.edu. You can also find us on Twitter, at UMN Newsroom, and at UMN Farm Safety. <laughs> I'm like, that's all I got. Let me <laughs> Help me. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Bradley, let's
2: hear it. Ah, oh.
1: Hey, Bradley, say antibiotics.
2: Antibiotics.
1: Ah uh, yes.
2: Antibiotics.
1: Antibiotics.
0: <laughs> and he's like outside working his ass off, comes in sweating, and sits down to just be
1: <laughs> harassed. <being> harassed. <laughs> <laughs>